welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. In the last uh, three weeks, Becca and I have had the privilege of going to all of our campuses, including Spain, uh, Faribault, Minatrista. We were just there the other day. And uh, it's interesting when we welcome the other campuses that are watching or people even online. I've met people that have said, I watched it online, I watched it on TV or whatever. I now have faces with all the places. And uh, we haven't done this in a while. So from our Apple Valley campus, can we welcome everyone that's watching online and all around the world and say thanks for being a part. It's awesome. Yes. Uh, it really is making a difference with technology. We're going around the world with more to come. And uh, just thank you, Apple Valley, for just loving all the other campuses as well and uh, really making it one church, multiple locations. Now, we are starting a series called God's Grammar and uh, trying to get so we're not auto-correcting God's grammar on our life. And how many know that's a temptation? We want to correct what he's doing. Um, I, I was not good at grammar. I was not good at English. I'm just confessing. I was in school. I like things that blew up. How many know what I'm talking about? I like things that blew up. I like science. I like history a little bit, but I, I liked action. I was a person that wanted to get things done. I wanted a purpose. I wanted to go somewhere. And it's interesting now as a preacher, I'm using grammar all the time. And here we are with a series with it. In this series, we're going to be looking at uh, question mark. Um, what are the questions that we have for God? We're going to look at the exclamation point and saying what excites God. We're going to look at the ellipsis, which is dot, dot, dot. How many use that in writing? You're like, dot, dot, dot. We're going to look at what that means spiritually to us. And then today we're going to look at the difference between a comma and a period. There's a big difference. And if I could tell you this, the title of the message is, don't put a period where God puts a comma. Don't put a period where God puts a comma. Because if you follow God long enough, you will learn that God loves to use commas. You think it's over, it's done, and he's like, nope, it's just a comma. And, and I'm just pausing for a moment because the difference between a period and a comma is this. A period says the end. It's the end of that thought. It's done. We've concluded it. It's complete. A comma says this is connected to something else that's coming. It says it's not done. It's connected. There's just a pause moment. There's just a pause moment. And I can tell you this, when I was in school and I found out that I could use commas, I just used them and used them and used them. I was like, going, going. And, I, and then I found out about a new thing called a run-on sentence. How many know that one, right? But I'm just telling you, honestly, I believe God is the master of the run-on sentence. I believe that. 
I believe that he does it in the right way. And he says, nope, this, comma, this, comma, this, comma, this, comma. And he's saying, don't worry, there's more to come. There's more to come. And I know there's a temptation for us to think like whenever something bad happens in our life or somebody speaks something bad into our life, we think that's it, period, it's over. I, I just want you to hear this. Don't put a period where God puts a comma. I just believe it. No matter what other people say to you, it's not over unless God says it's over. And people all the time, well-meaning, will try to put a period on your life. If you don't know the story, uh, Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. Now, this guy arguably was one of the best, if not the best, basketball player in the history of the NBA. And yet he was cut from his high school basketball team. You're not good enough. That could have been a period in his life, but he said, no, that's a comma. That is just a pause. He's not the only one that had that. There were others. Somebody told this group, they said, you're not good enough. The guitar is on its way out. We don't see much future with you. We're not signing you. Uh, see you later, the Beatles. <laughs> and they, you just, just imagine, that's like, period, it's over. You're not good enough. And yet they said, no, that's just a comma. We're going on to the next thing. Lucille Ball was told, you know, you have no future by her drama teacher. She said, give it up. And yet she went on and had a career in TV. We've had other people that were told that they don't have a future. Thomas Edison was told by a teacher, you're not that bright, but you have a pretty good personality. <laughs> Why don't you use your personality to get a job? Because you're really not that smart. And yet, he held over a thousand patents in this world. Think about that. Somebody tried to put a period in there, and it's like really just a comma. It's a pause moment. And this one just got to me. Somebody told this guy, they said, you have no imagination. You have no creativity. We're letting you go from the newspaper because there's nothing there. You're not imaginative at all. His name was Walt Disney. I mean, think about it. I mean, so there's those things where people say, this is a period, it's over, done, move on. And I have one that is kind of near and dear to my heart that just happened to our youngest son, Logan. Um, he applied to be in the National Honor Society, and um, he doesn't like to tell people this, but he's uh, like a straight-A student, you know, he's always on the honor roll. And so he applied for this, and he got the letter while I was gone in Morocco. And it said, thank you for your interest in the National Honor Society. We regret to inform you that you are not chosen as a member this year. They said the council felt that you were not represented in a manner consistent with the National Honor Society in the areas checked below, leadership and service. Now, if you know our son Logan, he just oozes leadership, okay? This guy practically gets his mom and dad to do what he wants. I mean, he's like a leader. This guy is a leader. And not only that, he's a leader at school. And I thought about it. He's in student council. He was number one in the sales with their fundraiser, and he did this. They were selling buttons, and he would walk around, and he goes, do you want to buy a button? And people thought he said it so weird that they'd stop to talk to him. That was his strategy. <laughs> okay? And they're like, I want to buy a butt. Well, what? He's like, a button. And they're like, but you said, and he goes, I know, just buy a button. And so <laughs> leader, strategic, he's got, so he's in uh, student council. He's number one in sales. Um, he leads the Fellowship of Christian Athletes for Lakeville North. He, uh, we hosted at our home for the last two years. He's a Go Kids volunteer, and you may not know this. Pretty much every weekend, he goes to one service and then volunteers at three. Uh, he's part of the Saturday night band for the worship team in our Go Kids ministry at Apple Valley. He's served on several global teams. Matter of fact, on any given Wednesday, because he plays bass guitar, we can dispatch him to any one of our campuses, and he does. He has played at all of our different campuses, because how many know the pastor's kids can be sent wherever we need them, right? 
And so that happened. So he's playing in the bands all around. He's helped with different fundraisers. And he was just in a band this weekend that won uh, a state competition. And I thought, son, um, this, this is just, this is not a period. This is not a period. They said in the end, they said, if you'd like to appeal this decision, here's how you can do it. I said, you know, you don't want to appeal it. Matter of fact, Becca said, don't appeal it. Frame this. Frame this. This is not a period. This is a comma. This is a comma. Don't be rejected. And some of you might have received letters like that or statements like that. Maybe somebody said to you, you don't have what it takes. That can't be from God. It's over. Give it up. The dream dies. It's done. I'm telling you what, don't put a period where God puts a comma because he's just saying it's paused. And can I say this? His pause can last a long time. Talk to one lady in our church. She said, 39 years ago, my mother died. She goes, I was nine years old. And she goes, I want to let you know something. A year ago, my Facebook status said, 38 years ago, my life ended. And she said, because my mom died, I felt like my whole life was over, period. Mom died. And she said, I lived 38 years thinking it was over. And then somebody invited me to River Valley Church. And a year ago, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And God spoke to me. He said, your life was not over. And now it's just begun. And she said, my status now is my new life has just begun. And she said, now I realize I was just living in a comma. And the whole time in life, I thought, period, it is over. And she said, I only have one prayer to God. Could my comma pause be shorter? (laughs) But some of you may have thought the same thing. It's over. It's done. It's done. It's over. And I want to tell you this. The Bible says it's not over until God says it's over. And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, we're going to read this scripture. This is one that you should memorize. This is one that you should have in you. The apostle Paul writes this. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's saying it's not over till it's over. God is going to use commas in your life, and it's not over. Don't say it's over. He is going to complete the work that he started in you. Now, other translations say this. They say, God will go on completing this work. God will continue his work until it's fully finished. Another one says he will carry it on until it's finished. Another one says he will carry it through to completion. Another one, I love this one in the Living Bible, it says he will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until the task within you is finally finished. Another one in the Amplified says developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. And another translation says he will keep it growing. God has a work for you. God has a plan in you. God is not finished with you. Do not put a period where he puts a comma. So we're going to look at a story in the Bible that should give us strength. There's some teachable moments in here. And I want to let you know that I'm not going to use the story of Abraham, although, again, God loves to use commas. And you know in the story of Abraham, God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to be a father of many. And it doesn't happen for a long time. And Abraham's like, okay, period. It's over. It's done. We're too old to have kids. It's not going to happen, God. Thanks, Lord. Appreciate it, but not going to happen. But then we know that God's like, no, it's just a comma. It was just a long pause. You will be the father of many nations, of of a blessed nation. And we know that in the life of David, here's somebody that said, you know, 
I'm so glad that God didn't put a period where I failed. I'm so glad that God put a comma and said, after my failure, God said, you know what? But he continued on, was a man after my own heart. But we're not going to use that, but we could have. We could use Job, and what a great story there. Here he is, living right for God, and then tragedy hits, and all his friends are like, it's over. Put a period down. Curse God and die. It is over. It's done. His own wife is like, Job, it's over. It's done. Period. Done. And he's like, no, I feel like I'm living in a comma. Can't explain it, but I feel like I'm living in a comma. I feel like God's not done with me. We know with Job that God was not done. He restored even more than he had. Another person, Peter, I'm sure he's again glad that God is like, I just put a comma there. You were faithful disciple, then you denied me, but then you were faithful again and you went to a martyr's death. You went all the way to the ends of the earth and you died defending me and bringing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. These guys love commas, but today we're going to look at somebody that held on in a time where it looked like period, it's over, period, it's over, period, it's over. And if you know where I'm going, I'm going to the guy by the name of Joseph. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 37, and we're going to look there, and we're going to go through the life of this guy, because this guy lived a life that was comma, 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 and it really looked like it was period, over, done. Now, we know this guy, Joseph, uh, his father, his name was Jacob. God renamed him Israel, and that's where we get the nation of Israel from. God renames him Israel, and in this, we know that he has 12 sons, And in Genesis 37, verse 3, it says this, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. Now here's the deal. Joseph is about 17 years old when this is going on. And we see that Jacob says, I love you more than your brothers. Can I just tell you this? That is bad parenting. (laughs) Just is. One day, Connor said to me, he goes, who do you love better, me or Logan? And they said, who do you love better, me or your mom? He said, I'm not answered. I said, neither am I. <laughs> okay, but bad parenting here. He says, you're my favorite. You're my one. You know, and, and, and here he is. He's, he's, he's the favorite son, and he gets this coat of many colors, which is like saying, I'm promoting you to management. And so his brothers are out working in the fields. They're watching the flocks. And he gets to go around and make sure that everything's being done. And he's young. And so his brothers are, are jealous of this. They can't stand it. And in the midst of this, um, God is speaking to him in dreams. I mean, think about it. This guy's got it going on. He's, he's favored by his dad. He's in management. He's, God is speaking to him in the middle of the night, talking to him. And he's giving him visions. He's saying, hey, you are going to be used greatly. And someday all your family is going to bow down to you. So he's got this going on. Um, we know from another passage that he's good looking. The Bible says that he was handsome and he was well built, which means he had a six pack abs. I mean, this guy had it going on, okay? And in the process of this, it's going so well. God's given him a dream, and his dad and his brothers are like thinking, What are we all going to bow to you? You know, what's the deal here? And he's like, This is what God spoke to me in a dream. So in the process of this, his brothers start to hate him, which is understood, you know. I mean, these guys are, you know, he's saying, you're going to bow to me someday. Yeah, whatever, manager guy, you know. So one day he goes to check up on his brothers, and his brothers are so bitter with him that they say, we want to kill him. We're going to kill this guy. And one of the brothers says, no, 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 let's just throw him in a pit. Okay, all right, we'll throw him in a pit. So they throw him into a pit, they take his jacket, and they're thinking, we're going to go leave him there and tell our dad that he died. 
In the process of this, some traveling merchants are coming by, and they say, you know what? We won't make any money off of our brother if we just let him die. Let's sell him into slavery. So they pull him out of the pit and sell him into slavery. Can you imagine? Here he is. I have a dream. It's going to be amazing. God's going to use me. And all of a sudden, his brothers turn on him and sell him into slavery. I'm sure for a couple of days in there, he thought, wait till I get out of these chains. I'm going to go back and smack my brother. I'm going to, you know. But how many know after he was beat a few times, he's thinking, oh, Lord, where are you? Lord, where are you? Now, again, we have hindsight bias. We know how the story goes. But in that moment, how many know it'd be really easy to be like, God, where are you? You failed me. You failed me. It's over. The dream is dead. But somehow he must realize that he's living in a comma and that he holds on to God's promise. So in Genesis 39, verses 1 through 4, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, so basically uh, this guy is Pharaoh's bodyguard, he, brought, he bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in, the, in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. So here he is living in this comma moment. And I want to point this out. He was 17 years old when his brother sold him into slavery. And the time that passes is 10 years. 10 years. Now, it'd be really interesting in 10 years of a delay of something that God has promised you, would you give up on it? Would you give up on it? And we know that Joseph does not give up on the dream. He stays true to it, and we know he stays in relationship with God. And here he is, 27 years old, and it makes this just this temptation that he's facing even more unbelievable that he withstands the temptation. Potiphar's wife sees that he's a good-looking guy, and she tries to get him to commit adultery. And in the midst of this, he's 27. He has no wife. He's, he's a servant in this household, really a slave. The dream looks like it's dead, and the temptation is here of give up on the dream and chase after some earthly pleasures right now. Now, I'm going to tell you this. When you are waiting in a comma moment, here's what will happen to you. The devil will come along and say, God has forgotten you. God has forgotten you, and you might as well give in to your desires of the flesh You might as well go in and disqualify yourself from the dream that God has for you because he doesn't care. It's over, period. And you have to have the mentality when you're facing temptation, this is a comma moment in my life. The call, the promise, the dream, the plan, the work that he's doing in me, it's not done and I will not disqualify myself. I know that people think this way because when I was in Bible college, I was at a school of a famous evangelist. It was discovered that he was caught with a prostitute and it made national news. And I can remember the weekend that it came out that the leader of our Bible school was caught with a prostitute. I can remember, it was like a bunch of the students were like, okay, well, if he can't withstand temptation, and I've been living in a comma moment for all these years, trying to keep myself pure, period. It's over for me. And it was like Sin City that weekend. And it was like lockdown. I, I practically, as a floor leader, as an RA, I was like, don't let anybody out tonight. They're all just going to sin and give up. They're putting a period where God has a comma. This is just a pause. It isn't over just because he fell. 
So I can imagine that if Joseph was in this spot, he's thinking, God, where are you? Ten years, I've been waiting. I haven't been rescued. I'm given into temptation. I'm making my own name for myself. And he didn't do that. He stayed true to God. In the midst of that, Potiphar's wife gets angry, and she actually uses a terrible slur, this Hebrew slave, which was totally a racial slur against him. He tried to rape me. He gets thrown into prison because of that. And you're thinking about this. Here he is in prison now. He was already a slave. Now he's in prison, and prison was no good time. We know from Psalm 105, this is what it talks about with him being in prison. It is talking about Joseph. Psalm 105, verse 18, it says, They bruised his feet with shackles, and his neck was put in irons. So he's following God. He's trying to be faithful. He's living in the comma. Ten years in Potiphar's house. Temptation comes. He stands true. And it's not like God says, well done. I'm going to promote you. Instead, it's like, well done. Now you're going to prison. Now you're going to have shackles. And you're going to have a thing around your neck. And you're going to go into the worst place possible. Now, he was tempted to say no to God and to say, period, it's over. I'm going to fall for temptation. Now he goes into prison. And you know what the next temptation is that he's facing? to get bitter. And can I tell you this? When you're in a paused moment for God, don't get bitter. Don't get bitter. I mean, you could think, God, 10 years, I've been faithful, I tried so hard, and then that failed, and it didn't work, and now I'm in prison, and now I'm bitter at you. I'm angry. And it would be logical that they would find Joseph, you know, as the 70-year-old prisoner, just kind of crotchety and bitter with a long beard, like, yeah, I had a dream, blah, blah, I hate everybody, you know? It'd be, wouldn't that be logical? And we've all seen people like that, like, yeah, I hate everybody, yeah, you know, life is terrible. That's because they put a period where God put a comma. And instead of being bitter, he's like, okay, I'm in prison, God, this is not the comma I thought, but I'm going to be faithful. And we know that while he was there, the Bible says the Lord was with him. Don't ever forget that. Whenever you're in a comma moment, God is with you. God is with you. He's there all the time. And the Bible says the Lord was with him. And the warden saw that. And he said, all right, I'm going to promote you. And now you're in charge of this. And while he's there in prison, God brings two people that work for Pharaoh. He brings his butler and his baker. They get thrown into prison. For some reason, they did something wrong that Pharaoh didn't like. Joseph was in charge of them. And I want you to understand this. He's in the prison. It's not going good. He's wondering about that dream that God has for him. And all of a sudden, he's, he's doing the very best that he can. He's got these guys entrusted to him. And it's an interesting thing in Genesis chapter 40, verse 6 and 7. This stood out to me. It jumped out. It said, when Joseph came to them the next morning, the butler and the baker, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? Now think about this. Not only is he not bitter, he's ministering in the prison. And he's ministering so well that he's attuned to other people's needs. He notices dejection. And instead of going, hey man, it's a dog eat dog world, man, it's prison. You got to Stand up for yourself. Hey, guys, better wipe that frown off your face. You know, he's like, what's wrong? How can I help? Can I tell you this? When you're in a pause moment, keep ministering. Keep ministering. Don't say, well, Lord, I'm not on the platform, so therefore I'm not ministering. No, 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 no. Lord, I don't have that. I'm not ministering. Lord, I can't give the thousands that you said, so I won't give the tens right now. Uh-uh. 
Keep ministering now and be alert to the needs that are around you. That's what he did. And in the midst of this, he says, what's going on? They said, well, we had a dream. Tell me your dream. And the one says, well, I had this dream. And he goes, okay, here's the interpretation, Mr. Butler. You're going to be restored and you're going to be back with the Pharaoh. And the baker's like, well, that's good. What's my dream mean? He's like, not so good. Uh, You're going to die. Get your house in order, okay? And it was true. It was exactly true. And he's thinking, okay, here's my answer. Now, how many of you have ever thought this? When you're in a comma moment with God, you're like, oh, this person's my answer. Lord, you brought me to the right place at the right time. Lord, I am in the right church. I'm in the right life group. You brought me to the right job. I am the, they are my source. It's so good. It's right there. And then it doesn't happen. Again, it'd be so tempting to get bitter, but he doesn't. Instead, he waits it out two years. Two years. And if I could say this, you know what? There was another comma there, but how many know that God is always working up ahead? You're on this side of the comma, but he's working on that side of the comma. And he's like, don't worry, I got it figured out. I'm going to give Pharaoh a dream that he can't interpret, and you're going to get out of prison. And so that's what God does. God gives Pharaoh a dream that he can't interpret, and Pharaoh's like, who can understand my dream? And finally, the butler's like, I know a guy. I met him in the joint. All right, I'll get the guy. We get to take care of him. So he brings it to Pharaoh, and he says, here's the guy. Here's the guy. He's got the, the dream interpreting ability. And there it is. Joseph goes and interprets the dream. And he says, what's going to happen? You're going to have seven years of abundance and then seven years of famine. You've got to stock up. If you do this, you'll dominate the market. Could you imagine that kind of advice? Like, you can dominate the future. Buy this, sell this, and when you do this, it's going to be perfect. And that's what he tells him. And Pharaoh's like, that's amazing. What should I do with this information? And then Joseph, he's ready on the spot. He's like, if I were you, I'd hire a good-looking guy with six-pack abs that can interpret dreams, (laughs) can manage people, talk to the warden, and I would make him in charge. That's what I would do. (laughs) And Pharaoh says, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to take it. And one day he gets a shower, a shave, a wife, a job, and a lot of power. How many know that's a good day, right? <laughs> one day. Now, here's the thing I want you to catch this, though. Here it is. It's going good for him. But even in the good, he's still in a comma with God. It's not period. It's not like, and Joseph was rich and was happy and lived happily ever after. No, 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 no. God still had him in a comma spot. And he has to go through seven years of abundance And seven years of famine as he's managing all this. So now he's in his 40s. Remember, 17, he's sold. He's in his 40s, and his own family comes looking for him. They're not looking for him, but they come looking for food, and they find him. And they're bowing down before him, and he's thinking, this is the dream. I'm in my 40s, and it's coming to pass from 17 to 40s. And then he does, like any good brother, he messes with their mind for a little while. How many know the story? Yeah, just, he's got to get them a little bit, you know, until he can't contain it anymore. And he's just bawling and sobbing. He's like, it's me, it's Joseph, I'm your brother. And they're just like, oh my, you know. What they thought was period, God's like, comma, and you're going to get a whip in here. But anyways, it was like a whole different scenario for them. And in that moment, God's like, now I've got you where I want you. This is it. And the period to this whole scenario is in, uh, in, in this final verse that Joseph says to his brothers. He says this in Genesis 45, verse 7. He says, God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And he's like, period. I lived through a whole bunch of commas. I lived through prison 
and false accusations and hope and temptation. And then I got power and I got all this, but instead of just settling with it, I realized even the power that I got was just a comma for God to get me to where he wanted me to be so he could put the period. And so some of you may or maybe you're saying, I'm blessed, I've got, I'm living well, I'm doing good. But God's like, don't forget, you're just in a comma. Don't give up on the dream that I told you. Don't give up on that. Don't give up. There's still something I want you to do. It's, you're blessed. You're enjoying this. There's some good things, but that calling is still true. That promise is still true. That dream is still true. Don't give up on it. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. And keep serving him faithful until that day when he says, okay, now, now we put the period on that. Now it's done. You've lived through all those commas. Now here's the period. Hear it one more time. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to complete it. He's going to complete it. And if you are living in a comma, I want to pray for you that you can realize it is not period. It is not over. It is just a pause. God is at work with something over here, and he will connect the two things someday, and you will see his plan unfold. So, Lord, I pray right now that you would help us to realize that we live serving a God who loves to use a comma. You love to say that it's not over. There's more to come. There's more in the future. I have something for you, and I pray we'd live that way. I pray for a greater boldness for people to not give in to temptation, but to realize that's just the enemy's plan to derail us. We will not fall for that derailment of temptation, but we'll stay true to the promises of God. Lord, I pray that we would not get discouraged and bitter. Some of us are bitter. We say, 38 years ago, I died. My life was over. And little did we know our life was not over. There was a day we'd come to find you. It was just a long pause. So God, I pray we wouldn't get bitter. We'd say, yeah, well, God gave me a dream when I was a teenager, but it's dead now. No, it's not. No, it's not. We are just living in a long comma or a continuation of a spiritual run-on sentence. And I just pray, God, that you'd bring us to that point. You'd complete whatever you're working in us. We'd be willing to pause. We'd be willing to hear your voice, whether it's good, whether it's bad times, whether it's discouragement, whether it's temptation, and we'd stay holding on to your promises. I particularly pray, Lord Jesus, for those that are new in their faith. They're new in their faith, and they grow fast, and they have wonderful things happen so fast, and then they hit their first comma, and they wonder, where are you, Lord? Have you given up on me? Lord, you haven't. And I pray they'd be mature enough to stay in that comma and not put a period and say it's over, but to understand you're always working, you're moving them forward to the next step and the next step and the next step. So Lord Jesus, we just promise once again to not put a period where you've put a comma and to always live saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're working and there's more to come and your promises will be fulfilled. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.